Thank you for downloading the IA podcast. You can listen to all our episodes on Podbean, Spotify, Apple, and YouTube. Enjoy. Leveling up is the cornerstone of the current government's policy agenda. It's the promise to eradicate the economic disparity between the North and the South. Much has been said, but little has been done to make a tangible impact. A £4.8 billion levelling up fund has been allocated to various towns, but many people remain unsure what the policy means or how it can be achieved or even how success can be measured. The government has only just published its levelling up white paper, but it's a bit of a dud. The Institute of Economic Affairs responded to the release with our editorial and research fellow, Professor Len Shackleton, saying the proposals were of dubious quality. But in an article for CapEx, Luke Stanley, senior researcher at the think tank Onward, was more concerned about a lesser known aspect of the white paper, how levelling up improves civic engagement in communities where a sense of pride and belonging is absent. I met with Luke to discuss the levelling up agenda and asked him why civic engagement matters to improving the prosperity of left behind Britain. Luke, one of the problems with the government's levelling up ambition is that it's hard to understand what it actually means. Um, I mean, I personally would characterise it as an ambition to see more economic growth and better productivity outside of London. I mean, the data is clear on this productivity and you know, stuff like research and design investment in the regions is, is very low compared to London. But is levelling up purely an economic challenge, do you think? So I think you've right on the money there, Kieran. It, it's difficult because obviously we've heard about levelling up for a few years now. And, um, you know, this, this levelling up white paper is the first time that the government's brought out its, its you know, proposals. So it's difficult because it means very different things to very different people. So um, it's welcome that, the, you know, the levelling up white paper has set out four broad areas for levelling up. So as you say, it's, um, it's about boosting economic growth and productivity outside London, uh, but it's also about spreading opportunity, restoring community, um, increasing local pride and belonging, and empowering local leaders and communities. Um, what do you think about the political side of this? Because obviously there's a bit about devolution in, 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 in the white paper, which we'll mm. discuss. But is this as well a, a, an ambition to spread political power outside of Westminster? Uh, to, to, well, I wouldn't know about um, political power. I think it's about, um, as I say, empowering local leaders and communities. It's really welcome that um, the government's looking at expanding uh, the powers of regional mayors, introducing new county deals, bringing powers close to, to the people that uh, are impacted by decisions. Uh, so it's a good way of, um, as we've seen in, in the West Midlands and in Tees Valley, giving these um, local people control over their economic development actually is a, is a really good way of boosting economic growth and, and uh, productivity. But I think it's, um, it's definitely something that the government should be focusing on is, is sort of looking at it from an economic lens. I mean, lots of governments over the last 50 or so years has, have tried to address these economic disparities and, you know, things, as you say, about economic growth, uh, productivity. Uh, and one of our recent reports, actually, Turnaround, uh, looked at all the different types of um, schemes that have been brought forward to, to deal with deprivation since the 60s, uh, found that Blair's New Deal for Communities was the best at doing that. And that was because it was about um, giving people control over the decisions in their area. So I think that's a really welcome development. 
Um, and that brings me on nicely to the next question, which is, you know, we I think there's a, a cross-party consensus that this is a good idea um, mm. to reverse these these differences in in in, in the regions. Um, but what what are the government currently proposing, and, and how is that different to the schemes that you've mentioned that have happened in the past? So basically, the the government has set out um, twelve national missions to underpin their levelling up agenda. So each of these is a, is a goal for the country where we want to be in 2030. Uh, so for example, on living standards, it's about getting pay, employment and productivity rising in all parts of the UK. On local pride, it's um, making sure that people have satisfaction with their town centre and are happy with the engagement they have with community as a whole, at, again, rising in every part of the UK. So again, I think this is a, a sea change from what we've seen before, because in the past, it's been mainly, apart from, as I say, the uh, uh, Blair's New Deal for Communities, which sort of involved local people in the in the, in the decision making. A lot of these things that have been tried before, you know, Michael Heseltine in the 80s, um, Wilson in the in the 60s and 70s, a lot of it has been just about sort of top-down approach to trying to boost economic growth outside the regions, uh, regions out in the regions outside of London. And uh, as we know, as, as the IEA's has, has worked showed is that um, you can't really, you know, you can't level up from, from London. You need to give give people power back to back to themselves and um, let themselves level up. So I think that's the, that's the big the big change. And there's loads of good stuff in the leveling up white paper. So as I say, there's new um, new deals for community regeneration. So there's twenty of those starting off in Wolverhampton and Sheffield. That's going to transform derelict urban sites into beautiful communities. There's uh, an idea that uh, Danny Kruger's looked at in his leveling up um, our communities proposal. New uh, community covenant pilots so that's agreements between councils public bodies and communities themselves to to help give those those people power over their local area and their services and uh, there's a plan to introduce new standards in the private rented sector so that you have to be able to to meet a certain threshold before you can rent out that 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 flat so lots of excellent ideas an excellent start but we need uh, a lot more action to take us through to 2030 and deliver on these really ambitious goals um, I mentioned at the beginning that um, our research fellow, Professor Len Shackleton, uh, when, mm. when the level of white, white paper was um, published, that it was of dubious quality. And, and one of the issues he took was um, the spread of research and design investment across the country. I think I think the worry is, uh, from Len's perspective, and certainly maybe some of our listeners, is that you risk, you know, investing in, in 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 things that aren't going to bring back a good return. He mentions, you know, the Oxford um, Cambridge corridor is a success story of that, but you, but there's a danger of diverting funding for that to other areas of the country where they can't be, it can't have so much of an impact. Mm, I think, uh, yes, I um, I understand that concern, and it's definitely, um, as you say, Oxford Cambridge corridor, the, the Golden Triangle is a is a really important um, part of our economy, especially as you say on research and development. I don't think though it's a really a case of spreading research and development in sort of a, it's not really a zero sum game when it comes to this, because we know that um, research and development is increasing. The government's got an ambitious um, program. I, think, I mean, this isn't my area. I think last time I looked, it was, um, they, were, they were aiming to get it to 2.4% of, of GDP a year. So you, the, the, they're putting in a lot of investment. So it's not really, that the golden triangle is sort of losing out in terms of research and development. It's more about um, helping other areas build up their own, sort of make their own um, sort of 
centres of, of innovation and hubs of creativity. So places like the, um, the West Midlands and the Northwest have really high research and development intensity already. So it's about giving uh, public investment to leverage that even more and build out those, those clusters of innovation. So, for example, in life sciences, yes, the Golden Triangle drive new patents and things like that. But, you know, in, in new areas like med tech, um, investment can and should be focused elsewhere. Um, so it's it's really welcome, uh, really the uh, the government's trying to to build on the success of the Golden Triangle by making by you know creating new clusters like that in Manchester, in Birmingham, Glasgow through these these three innovation accelerators. And and going back onto the devolution point in in the sense of de devolving powers to uh, city mers and and regional mers and so forth. Um, one concern is is that yes, this is great that the government's going to give us a big pot of money, and but is there not a potential for quite a disruptive disputes between regions over who deserves that investment, especially if, say, for example, part of East Lancashire is conservative and the rest of the county is you know is, is Labour? Is 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 it not going to be? Uh, a, a, a dispute between these these regions of power it's an interesting question i'm not sure that's really the right way of looking at it in terms of sort of clashes um because obviously whoever whatever political affiliation you have if you're elected to to serve your community you'll be doing the best you can to get as much investment as as much attention as much sort of responsibility be able to do as much as you possibly can so you know we, we can we've seen that in places like manchester with um with andy burnham uh, we see it in in in, uh, in Sheffield with Dan Jarvis. They're they're both really good uh, leaders for their for their local uh, cities that they've been elected to represent. But you know they they um they get just as much attention and support as people like Andy Street in the West Midlands, Ben Houchen in Tees Valley. Um, so I think it's more about ensuring that powers sit as close to the people that um are impacted by those decisions as possible. So it's not I wouldn't see it as a sort of a clash of, of political um, persuasion. I mean, you know, in Westminster, you have all the rigmarole that uh, promises questions, but a lot of the time, as MPs of all different political persuasions working together behind the scenes, you know, trying to trying to build consensus for lots of lots of issues. So um, I, I don't I don't think that seeing it in a sort of political clash is, is the right way to approach it. Um, but I, I agree that um, you know we, we need to make sure there's a clear framework so that there's not lots of people stepping on each other's toes. And that's why I'm glad that the Leveling Up White Paper committed to sort of simplifying devolution. So, um, you know, one way of doing that, as I say, is rolling out more more, city, uh, more powers to cities, but also um, rolling out more powers to, to counties as well. So places like Devon and Durham can benefit from having a elected representative in the same way that um, places like, as I say, uh, Manchester and the West Midlands do. Um, one of the concerns that many people may have had on the free market side of the argument is that there was a lot of promise of funding and taxpayers' money going into, you know, boosting these areas, but there was very little about government getting out of the way and incentivizing mm. growth through lower taxes, less regulation. Um, you know, do you agree that that, you know, to really drive growth in, in, in these areas, government has to get out of the way and has to reward um, hard work with lower taxes, less regulation? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I agree with that to a certain extent. I mean, personally, I would love to see taxes fall a little bit. I am not looking forward to my uh, my income and uh, well, my national insurance going up in in April. Um, 
And something that we've been really keen to see here onward is uh, reform of the income tax system. So something uh, we, we released a report back in December looking at um, the way in which families are taxed here in the UK and um, comparing it to, to other countries, places like uh, Iceland, Ireland, America. Um, and the UK is quite unique in the fact that it treats individuals in the income tax system differently than families. So in places like France, uh, you're taxed as a family. In places like Ireland, you can you can um, be taxed as a family unit. So um, because of the way that that works, it means that um, it makes it harder for people that want to stay at home um, and work less and spend more time with their family or engage in community life to be able to afford to do so. So something that we've been really keen to see is to see um, whether there's a way to get tax breaks for families. So as I say, we, we released a report back in December and looking basically at the uh, reforming the personal allowance that um, the the marriage tax allowance that allows people to uh, to share their their personal allowance. So basically, what you can do is at the moment you can send over if you're if you're married to someone you can give them ten percent of your personal allowance if you're not using it all yourself, and that cuts your um, cuts your tax by about two hundred and fifty pounds a year. What we're saying is that we should you know be able to family should be able to share that one hundred percent. So you know um, someone that you're married to should be able to, if you're not working you should be able to give your full 12,700 odd um, income personal allowance to your, to your partner. And that way, to, that will cut your, your take-home pay by about £1,200 a year. Um, and, you know, we've looked at this, modelled it. And if we were to, to let couples that have kids with, the, with children under the age of four to be able to do that, it would only cost about £650 50 million, which is a relatively small um, figure in the scheme of things. So, yeah, I think it would be good to see reform of taxation definitely in the future but obviously I, I do recognize that at the moment the the government's up against it a little bit with um with the fiscal situation uh, but it's something that we're we're keen to see going forward and i think that the government is making all the right noises you know that they talk a lot about the fact that they see themselves as the as the party of low taxes so you know it'd be nice to see something about that in the future definitely yeah, um, I hate to be more cynical, but uh, <laughs> the party of law taxes um, is empty platitudes at the moment, and you know, yeah. we're presiding over the the highest mm. tax burden in seventy years. Um, and I and I and I just wonder whether um, the real way to get re the regions going again and is really to reward um, success with, you know, keep more of your profits, invest in your business. But moving on from that, um, mm. I was really interested in your CapEx article um, where you discussed a lesser known aspect of the white paper, which is civic engagement and philanthropy. Um, why are these, um, why is that important for the levelling up agenda? Because we've just discussed, you know, getting people into work, improving productivity, yet you sort of talk about charitable work and letting mm. people do more stuff out, outside of the workplace. I wonder how that fits into the levelling up argument. Yeah, so, um, well, I'm glad you glad you read my uh, CapEx piece and uh, glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> um, so basically, the, the way that this would work is in terms of it, it, um, our, our social fabric index, which is a, a data set we put together looking at uh, measuring the strength of communities in all 380 odd local authorities across the UK has found that um, places that have higher rates of volunteering and uh, give more to charity are associated which, with much stronger communities. So to go back to the, um, the four pillars of the levelling up agenda in terms of the way that the government set it out, one of those, as you say, is boosting economic growth, but another one is restoring community local pride and belonging. So basically we're kind of coming at it from that 
perspective. So uh, places with with stronger civic engagement are more likely to have strong communities and be able to um, to be able to deliver on that ambition to get local pride and, and belonging uh, increasing again in all parts of the country by 2030. So we're basically saying one way to do that would be to to help more people volunteer, help more people, encourage more people to give to charity. Um, but also there is an economic argument. It's, it's not as strong as the, the argument for communities, but you know, looking again at our, at our index, it shows that um, places where people have this stronger sense of civic engagement are much more likely to be prosperous and more vulnerable to, um, oh, sorry, not more, <laughs> less vulnerable to economic shocks. So, um, you know, that in, another, in other words, our evidence suggests that encouraging volunteering and charity can help deliver on the goals of the levelling up white paper, not only to, to restore community local pride and belonging, but also make, make places, potentially make places less vulnerable to, to economic difficulty. Um, but despite this, it's, it was a little bit disappointing um, that the levelling up white paper was relatively silent on both of these areas. So it, it doesn't really propose anything new on encouraging greater charitable giving. And it only has a couple of proposals on how to, how to improve volunteering. So um, those are things like extending the National Citizens Service, which um, I think has been extended for a further three years, which is good. Uh, commitment to ensure that every state school in the country can access the Duke of Edinburgh award scheme. Again, uh, welcome. And um, four million pounds for the I Will Fund, which will help create more opportunities for young people to volunteer. So that's all great, but it's not really sufficient if we're going to create this sort of revolution of, of community engagement that we need to, to deliver on the, um, the government's ambitions to get communities' sense of belonging and uh, connection uh, rising in every part of the country by 2030. So um, definitely a great start, but, but more to do, I think. I mean, this, this sort of reminds me in a way of like David Cameron's big society um, mm. policy. Uh, um, so, I mean, could you maybe explain? So, you, you briefly mentioned the three schemes, but what, how, how would um, uh, participation in you know charitable civic engagement? I mean, how does the social is it the social fabric index? How does that work? Mm. How, how where can you see these correlations? So, well, uh, if you if you look on our on our website, we've got a a big map showing all the different. Um, uh, the different scores of how, how strong communities are um, based on the social fabric index, which we put together in our state of our uh, of the social state of our social fabric report back in uh, 2020. So basically, what it does is it pulls together um, a broad range of indicators. So things, is, you know, as as varied as um, how many local clubs you've got in your local area to um, your employment rate, and it looks at distills all these different things that are our focus groups and some of our research we've done show that people think of when they think of community and it breaks it down to five uh, five key areas. So there's relationships, uh, physical infrastructure, uh, civic institutions, uh, which is things like trust in, in uh, things like the police and your, your, your government and MPs and all that sort of stuff. And there's economic value, which looks at things like employment and, uh, and housing. And then you've also got um, positive social norms, which looks at things like family and crime and education. So basically it's a big, our social fabric index is a big com composium of all these different indicators. And basically, if you look at the, for each local authority in the UK, if you look at the, um, the data that shows how, how many people in that, in that local area volunteers, how many people in that local area gives to charity, those, are, those areas that, where there's a lot of giving of time and, and money, 
um, to volunteering a charity. Those areas are much more likely to to have stronger social fabric in all, in all the other areas of the of the index. So basically, it's showing that there's a there's a correlation between the two. I, I don't have the figures to hand, but it's it's a pretty pretty uh, strong correlation. So essentially, the the index, which is as I say, you can see all the different scores for your local authority or your um, your constituency on our website. It basically shows that. Uh, the more people uh, spend time in their community by volunteering, the more time, uh, the more they spend in charitable giving, the more likely it is that those those areas will have a strong sense of community, belonging and local pride, which, as I say, is one of the, the keystone aspects of the government's Leveling Up White paper. Mm, I, 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 I would probably say, um, hazard a guess, um, that the more prosperous an area gets, the, the more time people have for charitable mm. giving. So, I mean, of course... Um, I'm pretty sure I'm not a member of the research team here at the Institute of Economic Affairs, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure one of our researchers would would would, would say, you know, that the, the, the best way to get people to be charitable is to get them rich, and to get them rich, you need to incentivize them to grow their businesses and do all the free market stuff that we've mentioned, cutting tax. But I think it's a very interesting point um, mm. that people haven't really thought of um, in, in terms of leveling up. But um, unfortunately, that's all we've got time for. Thank you, Luke, for joining me today. Um, I hope uh, we will join us again soon. Fantastic. Thanks so much for having me on, Karen. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the IA podcast on Podbean, Spotify or Apple. We also upload our podcast on our YouTube channel, IA London. If you want to help contribute to the IA's digital output, please support us on Patreon, where you can benefit from exclusive membership perks whilst helping us continue to produce stimulating educational output. To become an online patron, click the link in the show notes.